You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. I always feel so awkward in the intros of these. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Digital State of Mind. This is going to be a solo episode today, just me, myself, and I. I'm going to be talking about the coaching pipeline, and I'm also going to be talking about coaching about something or teaching other people to do something that you no longer do yourself or maybe you've done in the past and you don't do anymore. So that's going to be the meat of our podcast today. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. So first things first, if you follow me on Instagram, you have seen that I have started gardening. I guess that's what it would be called. I don't know what the difference between like planting things and gardening is. I suppose gardening is, you know, more relevant to like vegetables and fruit. But yeah, I've been getting into that. I have basically my entire adult existence not had a green thumb. I have always struggled to keep plants alive. And I think that most of that is due to the fact that I was just like, okay, it's dry, I'll water it. And didn't really know how many things go into plants. (laughs) Um, and just never really did the research on it, which is totally my own fault. But growing up, my parents always like landscaped our yard and my dad was always making these like amazing, huge potted plants with all these different flowers and plants in them. And I thought it was so cool. And as an adult, I just, obviously I lived in an apartment for, you know, until, like 2021, I suppose. And then when we moved into that house, our last house in 2021, I was kind of like, I think I always knew in my gut that we weren't going to be there for very long. So I was like, what's the point in putting effort into a bunch of landscaping for this? But in this house, I have been on plant talk, garden talk. Oh my God. My entire for you page is just so many videos about planting tomatoes and gardens and plants and all this stuff. And so that's my new obsession. I tend to really, really hyper fixate on things um, because I have ADHD. And so for a while it was running and then it was roller skating and then it was piano and now it's gardening. So I went out and bought a bunch of stuff. I have like three tomato plants now. I have a strawberry plant. I have a lemon tree. I have um, marigolds. I have basil. I have mint. And I have some like topiary trees. I think that's what they're called at the front of our house. But I'm so excited. I also got a fountain for the backyard. But that's my that's my plan is to just kind of start building this into an oasis. Um, we have really, really hot summers. Like it, living here in South Carolina, we live near an island. And so we're coastal. We get a bunch of sun. And it's, you know, beginning in like 
March, April, we're at the point where we can start planting things like that that need full sun. Um, so yeah, I think that it, we won't get, and we don't get a lot of freezes. Like it does get pretty cold here in the winter, but I think that it will be pretty easy to keep these things alive for most of the year. So, um, up next, I'm going to get some citronella plants because we have mosquitoes here, which is really annoying. And, uh, I'm going to do some flower pots and I'm just really excited. I'm very excited for this new venture. Watch like a month from now. I'm like so over it, but no, I'm excited. I didn't realize how rewarding it is to grow something like tomatoes and then actually get tomatoes off the plant. Like I understand now why people are so obsessed with this and it's so calming and peaceful. Like spending like two hours outside the other day, just gardening and like in the dirt and <laughs> being one with the earth was really calming and it brought me a lot of joy. So I understand it now. I understand all of you people who are obsessed with plants. Um, also, thank you if you were ever one of those people when I posted on my story and was like, this plant is dying. What do I do? I got so many responses. So thank you for that. It was super helpful. But yeah, very, very exciting. So that's my, what I've been focusing on right now. I'm just kind of trying to put more effort into like the backyard and porch um, because we, I don't know, I've never done that before in anywhere that I've lived and I'm excited to actually enjoy being outside now and having dinners on the porch with the string lights and the candles and the fountain. It's just so lovely. Anyways, um, aside from that, I have been watching... Vanderpump Rules. I think that I talked in one of the recent episodes about uh, going to start watching that because I've heard so much drama about it. If you know anything about Vanderpump Rules, you'll know what drama I'm talking about with Raquel and Tom, the cheating scandal. So I have never watched an episode of Vanderpump Rules. There's 10 seasons. I just started with the 10th season and I don't really feel like I missed much. I may eventually go back and start from season one. I actually probably will, but I, I'm on, I'm caught up. So I'm on episode 11 and I am just like all of these reality shows, like I guess Love Island is maybe the, the least worst of them all, but The Bachelor, um, Love is Blind, Vanderpump Rules, I, especially something like Vanderpump Rules, where these people are like claiming to be friends or selling Sunset. That's a great example of this. It gives me such physical stress and anxiety to see these people who claim that they're friends. Obviously, I know this is a reality show, but I don't think, I think that there's a lot of truth in the way that they act. Claiming to be friends and then just constantly like going behind each other's back and talking about each other and they're always being drama. I don't understand how these people physically deal with this physically and mentally and think that that's just like a normal friendship I mean I don't know maybe I'm the one who's like delusional here but it, within my friend group there is like never any drama like sometimes people will get irritated at each other and you know have a little attitude but I cannot think of one moment where there was like a huge outburst of drama even like my closest best friends I think it's like two of my best friends we've been friends for like eight years and been like best friends for like five, six years. And I have never had a serious argument with either of them. And we are like 
I feel, I view them as like sisters to me. So I don't know what is going on. I don't know if I just lucked out or if that's normal or if that's not normal, but I compare that to these reality shows where there's just constant drama and bickering and cattiness and people being mean to each other or making little comments or like being your friend to your face and then turning around and saying something rude or snarky in an ITM. I'm like, why? These people are not friends. (laughs) It's so surface level. I really hate it. And also I feel like they are just so mean and not understanding of other people. If you have not watched this show, this is not probably entertaining to you, but if you have watched it, I even look at someone like Raquel, who is obviously caught up in this cheating scandal and obviously has, you know, some serious faults, but the way that people have treated her on this season so far, and by, I'm not like um, uh, defending her behavior by any means, but I just mean isolated in certain episodes of the show, the way that people have treated her is just unreal to me. Like there's no common sense. There's no like critical thinking. They are just out for blood constantly. And like the smallest thing can set someone off. I would be like, bye. I'm not, (laughs) I can't, I can't deal with this. So I don't know that it's just really weird to watch and to see when you're not in that world. And maybe it's different when the cameras are not rolling, but my God, it's so strange. Anyway, um, outside of that, if you are watching Vanderpump Rules or if you have watched this recent season, season 10, please message me on Instagram because nobody that I know in real life watches this show and I'm like dying to chat with someone about it. So please do message me. But moving on, Okay, so speaking of uh, gardening, I was at Tractor Supply Co. (laughs) And I bought the Old Farmers 2023 Almanac. I have never bought one of these in my life. And I've always seen them, but I'm like, why would I need that? In fact, I don't really even need it now because I'm not a farmer. But I'm I'm in my farm girl era, y'all. But I was like, this is probably a really interesting thing to skim through and in the beginning of this almanac they have like a whole section multiple pages dedicated to 2023 2023 twins 2023 trends that's hard to say and this was like probably one of the most fascinating things that I've read in a while actually so they talk about things ranging from ranging from like you know food trends, health trends, gardening trends, clothing trends. They also were talking about money trends. And one of the things I thought was interesting is um, they talk about in this money matters section that um, workers are wanting more. It says companies who will, companies will be competing on who can offer the best lifestyle, not pay alone. And it says that in demand is flexible hours, free childcare and education and remote work which I thought was really interesting that they were bringing this up. It kind of can start to feel like whenever you are in um, the online space that it's like its own bubble and it's its own universe. But obviously, you know, the general public is starting to realize how much remote work has blown up in the past couple of years and how many people are wanting that. And I just thought that that's so fascinating because I think that this is kind of a reflection of 
you know, our generation in general, the prior generations, I feel like, were, you know, a lot more focused on just grinding and working and just kind of accepting that that's like how it had to be. Whereas I feel like now we're kind of starting to shift more into this mindset of it doesn't have to be that way. And the money aspect of it is not the only thing that's important to me. And obviously we all need money, like bills don't care how they get paid. But it was just interesting to me that the editor-in-chief at Entrepreneur was talking about that, that companies are going to compete on who can offer the best lifestyle instead of just pay a loan. I, I just thought that was so fascinating. And being in demand, flexible hours, remote work, I think people are really starting to realize that the kind of typical workforce, typical corporate industries are not really conducive for having the lifestyle that you want. Not only that, but they're just really not efficient most of the time. And I've talked about this before in TikToks and on my Instagram, but the amount of time that is wasted in nine to five jobs is just so absurd. And the efficiency rate, productivity rate would skyrocket if companies were to offer something like a four-day work week or, you know, working in sprints for like four hours a day and then their employees being able to have the rest of that time off, I truly think that the productivity would rise so much. And we've obviously seen that statistically reflected in other countries. Um, Another thing that I saw that was interesting on here, let's see. Well, they had a lot of house trends, which I thought was very interesting. Um, but this was, this was kind of just a house trend as well that I thought was fascinating and I'd never thought about, but, um, future homes, like a lot of these things are kind of like future ideas. One of their future ideas was to offer secondhand, like have a secondhand clothing section in supermarkets or grocery stores. I thought that was really interesting and a great idea. And then another thing that they were talking about was for future homes, they talk about iceberg houses with multi-level basements. That's interesting. We're preparing for the end of the world. (laughs) Reminds me of, uh, is it Bill in The Last of Us? Houses that rotate for varying views. Whenever I read this, I was like mind blown. I was like, oh my God, that is what I've needed my entire freaking life. Like, can you imagine just always being able to follow the sun and get the best sunlight in the main areas of your house and being able to rotate your main living area to view the sunrise or the sunset? Oh my God, that's literally genius. And then they also talked about removable roofs on houses for adding floors later. I also thought that was interesting, but Anyways, my point is, my goodness, pick up a farmer's almanac (laughs) if you want to see some interesting things. Um, It's funny because as I'm going through this, they have a lot of like the old school ads that, you know, like um, National Enquirer and People Magazine. I remember always reading those (laughs) when I was a kid, but they have like those old school ads in here for different products and stuff. And it looks very 90s, 2000s to me. So early 2000s, because we're still in the 2000s. But yeah, fascinating stuff. All of that being said, let's dive in. Okay, so going straight in to what I call the coaching pipeline, a lot of people in the online space view coaches as scams. And I've kind of talked about this before, but this is something that I hear a lot about on TikTok. You know, there's a lot of courses out there, a lot of educators, mentors, a lot of Um, programs that you can join. And people often 
jump to the conclusion that coaching is a scam in general and that, you know, people are only successful because they're kind of tricking others into buying their courses or buying their guides or whatever digital products they have. And I think that there's a few reasons why people think this. So I'm going to kind of go into some of them. So essentially the coaching pipeline kind of in a nutshell is coaches who are just kind of um, pumping out or coaches who have students join their programs that then just immediately turn into coaches themselves. And then that cycle basically repeating itself. This is why some people call coaching in the kind of online entrepreneur space a new packaged version of a differently packaged version of an MLM and it coaching is still not and will never be an MLM because you know MLMs re- rely on people buying into the program and having to not only like buy stock of whatever product they're selling but also their um, revenue, their income relies on them recruiting other people to also join the company. And that is no, by no means what coaching is. Whenever I coach a student to start their own business, I get zero dollars of that business. They pay me for my initial service, which is teaching them and providing them with tools and education and trainings and modules in my program and access to me. But after that, they could go on to make $20 million and I would not make an a cent of that. And if they were to coach other people, it would be the same setup. Now, there are, with that being said, some companies who kind of disguise themselves as coaches or some businesses that disguise themselves as coaches or mentors who have a similar structure but try to hide it in ways. So you do have to do your due diligence when it comes to this and really look into the person that you're learning from and look at past students and experiences and really really see what's involved in their program and what the requirements are. But with that being said, so oftentimes what happens with the coaching pipeline, and I have seen this firsthand myself, and I'm going to be talking kind of exclusively about the kind of virtual assistant, social media manager, sales coach, business coach space. So oftentimes what will happen is someone will, and I've seen this happen firsthand many times, and it's very frustrating. I actually talk about this on a podcast um, where I was being interviewed. Uh, I think it's coming out in the next month. So I'll post that on my Instagram story whenever that comes out. It was a really fun episode, but what will happen is someone will start their business in the online space and they will, you know, let's say they're trying to be a virtual assistant and they've maybe gone through someone's program. So um, I'm just going to kind of relate this to me and how this could happen. I haven't really seen this happen with anyone who's gone through my program, which I'm very very appreciative of, but I have seen this happen with other people. So let's say a student was to sign up for my program, Digital Creatives Academy, and they were to, you know, try to be a VA, but maybe they weren't implementing things the way they should be, or maybe they were having trouble pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. And they just weren't really seeing the success that they could potentially be seeing if they really just kept reframing their business and pivoting and adjusting things, adjusting their marketing strategy, etc. So let's say after three months, they, you know, maybe have had one client or maybe they got five clients and then they lost them all because they weren't performing the way that they said they would for these clients. And then instead of, you know, continuing and becoming successful at that original thing that they started, 
oftentimes people's mind will go, well, you know, it would probably be easier for me to just become a coach because there's a lot of people that want to become virtual assistants. And, you know, I've gone through this program, so I know the information that I could tell these students. So I'm just going to become a coach. Now, what does this situation lead to? For one thing, this leads to that coach simply regurgitating information. Because of the fact that they weren't able to successfully build their virtual assistant business or their social media manager business, they don't have the deep understanding that you need to have as a coach of the industry that you're teaching about. So because of this, they are simply regurgitating information that they've learned potentially from a past program. And because of the fact that they don't have that deep understanding, they're probably really struggling when it comes to addressing specific students' needs and kind of helping guide them through situations that that coach who was an unsuccessful VA had not experienced before. So they didn't have the experience and wisdom to be able to guide the student through that scenario. So what does that lead to? That leads to typically students who are not successful because they don't have someone who's implementing the proper coaching methods. So that student is probably not going to see the success that they were hoping to see. They are either, either there's a couple different scenarios, a few different scenarios that can happen. Maybe they just quit and give up altogether. Second, maybe they quit and give up altogether. And in their mind, they say, coaching is a scam. I invested into this coach. They did not provide me what they, you know, said that they would or what I thought that they would. And so I think coaching is a scam in general. Or, They think, well, you know, I'm not successful as a VA, but I could become a coach like my coach did. And then I would get students who are paying to, you know, have me teach them the information that this coach just taught me. All of those are bad outcomes. (laughs) Every single one of those are not good outcomes. And that is the problem with the coaching pipeline. There's also another, you know, facet of this or kind of industry of this where you often see this with um, like sales coaches or business coaches where, you know, they're a coach and they're not really monitoring. Like once you're at the point, let's say, for example, in my business, I teach very new people who are basically completely new to the online industry or pretty new to the online industry, how to successfully start their business and how to sustain that business for however long they want in the future. There are also, you know, a bunch of people who are business coaches or sales coaches who are typically teaching people who are established business owners how to scale their business, how to properly sell to people, sales tactics, marketing, etc. In those scenarios, In my business, for example, it's a bit harder for me to regulate who joins my program and at what point they are with mindset, things like that, because they're all new to the online space. So I have to be a bit more lenient and give, you know, everyone a chance to start. Whereas with, you know, business coaches and sales coaches, typically there should be some type of pre-qualification process so that your students are truly seeing, all seeing success. So you want to make sure that they're at a certain point in their business, they're at a certain point with their mindset, they have a strong foundation, you know, they are not completely new to the online space so that they can actually grab the, grasp the concepts that you're teaching. But there are some coaches, business and sales coaches, who don't regulate those types of things and the students that are joining their program. So they'll have someone that's fairly new to the online space join their sales program or their business program. 
And they're basically kind of teaching people how to become coaches. And then those people go on to teach people how to become coaches, go on to teach people how to become coaches. And that cycle starts going and that's how the domino effect happens. And again, that is where we start to get into this weird iffy line of should these people be coaches if they don't have the real life business experience of successfully doing the thing that they're teaching people to do? So whenever you are, I've had people come to me before and tell me, you know, hey, I spent $1,700 because I was, you know, trying to save some money and not join this more expensive program. And I basically just lost $1,700 because this coach didn't really help me at all. You know, the resources weren't there. The trainings weren't there. I didn't feel like I could access them. And I just kind of basically left feeling more confused than when I joined the program. And now I'm just out $1,700. And I've had people come to me saying that who then invest in DCA and come out of it, graduate successful in their business. But unfortunately, they've spent $1,700 more or, you know, $1,000 more or $2,000 more than they would have spent had they just joined the program they really felt drawn to in the first place. And what this reminds me of is furniture because, you know, I'm obsessed with that right now. Um, I have in my past, in apartments I've been in, in houses that I've been in, I have gone the route of buying something cheaper just to save money. And then within a few months, it breaks down or something's broken or it's not, you know, good quality. And then I'm either stuck at the point where I'm having to invest in another cheaper piece that's going to break down soon, or I can just upfront invest in something that I know is good quality, that I know is going to last me for years and years and years, if not the rest of my life, and I'm going to end up saving money in the long run. It reminds me of situations like that. And quality is always what you want to look for, even if it's more expensive. In the big picture of things, if you spend, you know, a little bit more and join a quality program and work with a quality coach, your return on investment is going to be astronomical. You are going to, let's say you spend $3,000 on a program to teach you how to start your business. And within, you know, three months, you're making $5,000 a month. You've already made that investment back. And then each month you are going to like, eventually your return on that investment is going to be 500 times over. So I think that that's something to keep in mind. And, you know, another thing, whenever you're looking for a coach to work with, if you're wanting to start your business online, there's a few things that I think that you should look out for. And some of these are just kind of intrinsic to who that person is. And they're not so much visible to someone just viewing them on Instagram, but you can always kind of keep an eye out for if they're talking about these things in their content. But first things first, you, I think that this is a really potentially the most important, if not the most important of all of these, but you want to make sure that whoever you're working with and whoever this coach is has successfully done or accomplished what you are paying them to help you accomplish. So the reason that most of my students come to me and want to work with me is because I was able to accomplish something that is very unique. I'm a college dropout who was able to start my business and within four months, a little less than four months, I was able to start making $9,000 a month as a VA. And I think that, you know, people think you can just work with any coach and get results like that. And that's not the case because 
getting to that point requires a lot of working outside the standard. So there were a lot of things that I did and implemented in my business, in my client experience, in my marketing, in my content that helped me to reach that, that I wouldn't have been able to reach had I just been following the cookie cutter example of what you're supposed to do as a virtual assistant. So being able to have that unique experience and have successfully done that and sustained it in my business allows me to be able to understand what helped me get there and identify that for other people so that they can incorporate that and implement that into their own business to start to see results way faster than if they were to just do what Google says to do in terms of how you should start a virtual assistant business. That brings me into my next point, which is whoever you are choosing to work with or as a coach or, you know, go through their course, they should have a really, really deep understanding of the topic that they're teaching. So successfully accomplishing, you know, what you're teaching other people to accomplish really helps you have this deep understanding, but there's also a lot that goes on in terms of the education side of things, educating yourself as a coach and also, you know, really as a virtual assistant, when you were a virtual assistant or a social media manager or a Pinterest manager, whatever it is that you're helping other people do, there is a lot of trial and error to go through during that experience and going through that yourself and having your hands in so many different things really helps you to be able to help other people not make the same mistakes that you did and help them implement the things that did make you successful. So for example, whenever I was a virtual assistant, I was working in, you know, I eventually was kind of, I transitioned into more of a strategist role with my clients and I was on track to fully transition into an online business manager for my clients. So I had my hand fully in things like creating graphics, helping people launch courses, helping people start e-commerce businesses, helping people source materials for e-commerce businesses, uh, building out full email marketing launches, helping them manage their Pinterest, helping with blogging, helping them with social media, helping them create presentations, helping them come up with sales strategies and launch strategies for new new um, businesses, new business ventures that they were going on or new courses that they were creating or presets that they were launching, helping them set up websites, helping them build out websites, editing these websites, learning different platforms for hosting websites. So my hand was all over the place in their business and that allowed me to have a deep understanding of how different platforms work together not only that, but how to problem solve, how to take the lead in your client's business. Taking the lead in my client's businesses and becoming more of that strategist role for them was one of the biggest things that helped me get to the point so quickly where I was making $60 an hour because a lot of people are really afraid to take that step and to lean into, you know, being an authority and being able to help your client make decisions and not feeling like you just have to twiddle your thumbs and wait for them to give you a task to do. So there's definitely, you know, a lower level way of doing things and there's a higher level way of doing things. And when you have a coach that understands that and understands how to get to that higher level way of doing things, then your growth is going to be completely fast tracked. In addition to you know, having a deep understanding just being so important in general, having a deep understanding of the space that you're in as a coach helps you tremendously whenever you are helping students who may experience things 
that you didn't experience as a service provider or who are in really unique situations where they're having to handle something that you never had to handle. But if you have that deep understanding from successfully, you know, accomplishing things within your business, then you have your core foundations that are going to guide you into being able to guide your students as to the correct approaches to things. Next thing that is super important, in my opinion, for a coach to have is an understanding of different learning styles. And this is something that in Digital Creatives Academy, we have over time really started to build out because we noticed that, you know, students learn differently. We may have 30, 40 students in one round of Digital Creatives Academy and they're all very different and they're all very, very unique. So something that we started implementing was various formats or mediums of learning the topics at hand. So we have, you know, actual text for people who absorb information better by reading. We have videos, we have modules, we have presentations, we have quizzes, we have PDFs, we have workbooks, we have hands-on trainings where you can follow them step-by-step to learn different programs and platforms. We have Q&A calls. We have training calls with me. We have guest speaker calls where they're teaching on, you know, a bunch of different things and you can, again, follow along or have a demo live right there on the call to ask questions. We have not only me as the head coach, but we also have a co-coach to help, you know, present a different experience. We also have an in-house confidence coach who you get individual calls with for people who, you know, need to address that more. So there's so many different learning styles amongst students and being able to build out your courses or your teaching style to where you're really appealing to as many of those as you possibly can is going to help your students experience the most success that they possibly can because everyone learns differently and coaching is not a one-size-fits-all situation. Next is a coach being able to understand the difference between guiding a student versus telling a student. And this kind of calls back to whenever I was talking about how if you don't have, you know, if you didn't have a successful business and you go right into coaching, you're just going to be regurgitating information, aka telling your students what to do. But you want to create autonomous students, right? You want to create students that have an understanding of the online space enough to the point where they can take that foundation, take the understanding that they've learned and apply it to any situation so that they feel empowered in making decisions on their own because they're not always going to have a coach to message any hour of the day on Slack and be like, I have a question about this. Can you help me? So the difference obviously here is whenever you're a coach who understands that there's a difference between telling and guiding, you are creating students that, again, like I said, feel empowered to make their own decisions and to do that confidently because with guiding, you know, a student could come to me and obviously there's some situations where it's just more so black or white, right? Like if it's legalities or finances or, you know, a a technicality, there's situations where it's like, okay, yes, this is the answer. But whenever you're able to guide a student and ask them questions and get to the root of something with them, like for example, whether it's, let's say it's mindset and a student's coming to you dealing with, you know, fear of showing up online instead of, you know, saying something like, I know it's scary. You just have to do it, which I mean, that is true. You do have to just rip it off like a bandaid. A good coach is going to help you understand why you feel that way so that you can address that specific problem, right? 
what makes you so scared about showing up online? Is it the fear of judgment from other people? Is it the fear of being seen? Is it being afraid of what your friends will think? Is it that you don't feel good enough? Is it that you are, you know, self-conscious about the way that you look? Is it because you've been conditioned to think you have to show up and present yourself in a certain way by societal standards? So helping them really get to the root of that problem and this can be uncomfortable for both people. I won't even lie because part of being a coach is allowing yourself to live in the discomfort of having to have tough conversations with people. And by that, I don't mean that you are, you're berating your students or forcing them to, you know, figure out the root of things, but it can be hard to, you know, look at a student and be like, where's this coming from? Like, what is the root of this? It, 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 calls for a lot of vulnerability on both sides and a lot of holding space for that student to open up. And that can bring up a lot of emotion in students as starting a business does. Starting a business will reveal more about your inner self than most things in life will. So it, it definitely is a practice and it's something that I've had to practice for years and refine for years. And be comfortable really getting deep with students instead of just telling them what they should be doing because this is teaching them practical skills to carry through in their business, right? This is teaching them, okay, when I'm feeling afraid of something, I'm not going to look at that as surface level. I'm going to figure out what the root of it is. So if I'm you know, afraid about my business failing, that could be a million, there could be a million reasons why I'm afraid of that. Maybe I'm afraid of it because I'm afraid of not having money. Maybe I'm afraid of my business failing because I don't have the proper systems set up in the back end. Maybe I am afraid of failing because my business has become so successful that that scares me. So by teaching them this valuable tool of dissecting what exactly the root of their feeling is, that's something that you have to practice and implement throughout your entire business. And I still implement that myself. Last thing, I mean, I could, this list could be like 10 miles long for me, but <laughs> last point I want to make for sake of time is that as a coach, you should constantly be practicing what you preach, which can be really, really hard to do, as we all know. And you should also constantly be working on yourself and specifically, I think, working on your emotional maturity. Because I think that a common misconception about coaching is that it's, you know, always fun and it is easy to do and you're just, you know, giving people the information and you're all good. Whereas in reality, you are, you know, especially if you're teaching newer students, you're guiding them through one of the most pivotal, quickly changing few months of their life. Truly, those first three months of my business was more change than I had ever experienced in it's, it's, you're like collapsing time basically whenever you're in the online business space. So those scenarios bring up a lot of feelings for people and, you know, it can get really dark. There are people who are starting their businesses while going through divorces or whilst, you know, losing a loved one or going through a surgery or, you know, dealing with family issues. Like there are so many different things that can come into play. And as a coach, you have to, you know, work on yourself, work on your emotional maturity and take time for yourself to take care of yourself so that you can put that emotional and mental energy into your students to really help them get the most out of their, you know, experience in something like Digital Creatives Academy. So 
You know, it's a lot. I mean, I love it to death. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. But, you know, I, I think there's a lot of coaches that just make it seem like it's all fun. And while there is, you know, definitely a lot of uh, reward in those aspects of it, it still is very challenging. It's challenging for the coach and it's challenging, really challenging for the student who's actually experiencing those things and going through those changes or those difficulties while they're doing something so enormous, obviously, but worth it, but something so enormous as starting a business. So last thing that I want to talk about is, um, coaching about something that you no longer do. And this is something that I've seen um, talked about a little bit on TikTok or that I've gotten comments about on TikTok. But, you know, I started my business in March of 2020. I was booked out by June, I believe, March, April, May. I was actually booked out by like around the beginning of June. And by July, I was making 9K months. And by the end of that year, I had pretty much fully transitioned all of my clients to other people, my VA clients, because it got to a crossroad where I couldn't put 100% of my energy into coaching and into my VA business, my VA clients. And I love coaching so much. So that's the route that I decided to take. But, you know, since then, I don't work with VA clients anymore. I've kind of thrown around the idea of it, may do it eventually. Who knows where life will lead you. But, a lot of people are kind of of the mindset of, well, how can you teach other people to do this if you don't still do it yourself? And obviously every coach is going to look at this differently. Every business owner is going to look at this differently. But the way that I have mitigated this personally is by, well, first thing you have to think about is that I am at the point now where in my business, my business has grown to the point where I am basically the client that I was helping as a virtual assistant. So all of the things that I have done and that I do in my business, I was doing for other people as a virtual assistant. Now, where this can get tricky is that as your business grows, you obviously oftentimes hire a team, right? You start building out a team so that you can step more into that CEO role and you can focus on things like content creation or showing up or building out new courses or you know the higher level tasks that move the needle forward for you, focusing on your students, et cetera. But for me, obviously, I do have a team that helps me tremendously. And something that I've had to kind of do over time is to look objectively at my business and say, okay, what areas do I feel like I'm getting a little bit out of touch with? And do I need to readjust the team's responsibilities so that I can get my hands dirty and get involved in this so that I can stay up to date on what is happening so that I can properly teach my students? So for example, we did this at the end of last year. I We reframed things a little bit and I am now more involved in things like email marketing and content creation, which were some things that I had shifted away from. So I was feeling a little bit out of touch and I wanted to regain that so that I am still in the loop. And so those are things that I, you know, now take on and have a way, way bigger role in. So this doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a team and that they shouldn't be helping you, but it does sometimes require moving things around, shifting things around to be like, okay, actually you move into this now so that I can move into this so that I'm staying up to date on what I'm teaching people, like teaching my students and making sure that I'm giving them relevant information. 
Another way that I do this is by training on things in my own program, which requires me to stay up to date on them. For example, I do, you know, a finances training. I do a TikTok training so that I'm making sure that I'm staying up to date on those things so that I can actually train them and keep them fresh in my mind to my students. Also, you have to make an effort to learn, right? You have to find creative ways to make sure that you're staying up to date on things. So whether this is listening to podcasts about social media, um, there's a really good one called, let me see what it's called. The Science of Social Media is a really great podcast to just kind of get different viewpoints and input on things that are updating and things that are changing. Um, another way to do this is, you know, blogs or reading books about things. And a way that I've recently been doing this is by creating a new business. I have, you've all heard me talk about it. You've probably seen it on Instagram. I've started this home decor, you know, Instagram account and TikTok, and I'm hoping to turn that into a business. So I've had to basically like truly get my hands dirty, start an account from fresh, see what works, see what doesn't. Um, Same thing on TikTok and on Instagram, start building out a website, start building out a blog. All of those things are keeping things fresh in my mind. And because the best way to learn is by doing, it truly is. The best way to retain this information and keep it at the forefront of your mind is by doing these things. So that's kind of a, a unique way to refresh those things in your mind if you feel like you're kind of getting away from them is to just start something new and pretend that you're you know you are helping yourself as a virtual assistant client but like I said obviously your hands-on situation is going to look different once you have a team so you really have to go out of your way because you're no longer you know doing these things for a client and have to do them when you have a team your team could do them for you so you have to make a concerted effort as a coach to continue learning continue looking for resources resources, making sure that you're getting your hands dirty and being involved in your business so that you are up to date on all of these things. And that also goes for doing things like learning about sales, learning about marketing, learning about strategy, learning about building brands. All of those are super important for the foundational side of teaching people to start a business. So, you know, the internet is constantly evolving, constantly changing. Even if I was still a virtual assistant, I would constantly have to be relearning things and looking for updates, seeing what's new, seeing what's changing about platforms. And I just make that concerted effort to do that in my own business now, even though I have team members who I could easily just pass that off to. So that's that. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, we've talked quite a bit about coaching and digital creatives academy in this episode and uh, digital creatives academy is my baby i've said it a million times i will say it again it is my first baby because i started it before i even got teddy (laughs) so teddy is my second baby um but digital creatives academy whenever you're listening to this this episode i believe comes out on april 24th So when you're listening to this, we will have officially one week until DCA 11.0 starts. I can't believe we're in the 11th round, but we have around 10 spots open as of today when I'm recording this, which is April 20th. And I've said this before on my Instagram, but the spots for DCA fly whenever we are in these last two weeks, you know, leading up to DCA actually starting. Um, And if, you know, we have spots open randomly or something happens the week of, then we're still onboarding some people. But 
It's such an amazing program. You know, I'm so proud of the students from our last round. They were so successful and experienced just obscene changes in their life, in their business, in their financial situation. And you're listening to this podcast for a reason. If you're someone who's been on the fence about signing up for DCA and I've been there, it's like, it's so funny because obviously hindsight is 2020 and I can look back at the decision I made to start you know, to join a program, start my business and be like, yeah, I 100% made the right decision. I can't imagine not doing that. But in that moment of making the decision, it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever done of having, I had never invested that amount of money in myself. I had never truly like done something for myself and everything about it was scary to me. I was a complete beginner, had never done the tasks that I was offering to people had never had a public online presence, had never talked on my stories before in my life. And the amount that I've grown from starting my business is absolutely wild to, you know, go from being $20,000 in debt to now having a multi-million dollar business and having multiple six figures in savings, having my own house, having my own car. Those are things I honestly thought that I wouldn't accomplish until I was in like, my 40s potentially. So, you know, whenever you are in this situation of being at that crossroads, I've said it this also before, but a way that I tend to make decisions now because this really helped me make the decision of starting my business is to say to myself in three months, in six months, in a year, in two years, five years, will I look back at this moment and regret not making the decision to just go for it? And I think that can really help put things in perspective because we tend to think so much about the decision right now, how it scares us to start a business right now. And we don't often look forward to six months from now when you could be making, you know, $9,000 a month and have paid off $20,000 of debt and have bought a car. Like that's what happened to me. We often don't think about what can happen in six months. We think about the scary decision right now. So looking at the big picture is also something that really helps me a lot. But if you're listening and on the fence, I would love to have you in at Digital Creatives Academy. It's an amazing experience and it will change your life. It will. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Also, keep an eye out this week for the anonymous form on my stories. We will be posting that. You can ask any questions that you have. You can rant. You can tell me the hot take you have about the online space. And I'm going to make an episode dedicated to that. But it's completely anonymous if you want it to be. And it was a fun episode on last season. So everybody have a great rest of the week. Message me about Vanderpump Rules on Instagram, and I will talk to you all in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at the Digital State of Mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious, okay? <laughs> talk to you next time.